Okay, we're going to start here on the bottom of Hayamud Bet, by the two dots. Tenor Banan. Hamutzimi chanut le platia. Someone takes from a storefront or a store out into the platia. A platia is like the open area, the open space in the middle of the city. Obviously, the chanut is a reshuta yachid, and the platia is a reshuta rabim. But he goes, derech stav. And the stav is, if you've been to the old city, by the cardo, along the walls of the cardo, they have the old storefronts. In front of the storefronts, there were colonnades that went across, and they used to transact within those colonnades or open up like they do today where they open up a store and they bring some of the merchandise out into the public domain. That's this stuff, these colonnade areas where between the store and the colonnades are still quote-unquote part of the public domain, but they're not a Rishut Rabim anymore because they're not accessed by the Rabim. There's impediments to it being a place where the Rabim will come both because of the colonnades that are there as well as the merchants and the transactions that are taking place over there. Right, there could be, later on we'll see this possibility, there was also a roof over that area, which would also make it into a Rishut Yachid, as we saw earlier, that the Rishut Rabim, that's Mikureh, is not Domeh L'Digle Midbar, and therefore could be problematic. This area is defined as a, we'll call it a Carmelite. Rashi says, Shem Carmelite Alea, Talav Lehilu Chakhu Rishut Rabim. It's called the Carmelite, because it doesn't function like Rishut Rabim. Davav, Later on today, we're going to get to the definitions of all the Rishuyot. Again, something that you would have loved to have known on the first Amud of Shabbat, but here we're going to get there and we're going to bring a Tosefta that really deals with all those issues. So in that situation, Chayav. The Tanakhama says, the Rabbanan say that you're Chayav. You've moved from a Shutar Yachid to a Shutar Rabim, even though you've crossed through this stuff, through this Carmelite. Nevertheless, that's considered to be a completion of the action of moving from a Rishuta Yachid to a Rishuta Rabim. On the other hand, Benazai is Poter. Benazai says, you're Potur. Skumar says, Bishlama Benazai kasavar mahalech ke'omei Walking is the equivalent of standing still. It's similar to what we discussed before about throwing. The throwing is throwing a continuum, or is throwing a discrete movement of the object. So dear, when a person is walking, do we consider them to be in a continuum, so they start at point A, they end at point B, and that's it? Or do we say that they are making discrete movements all the way along? That means that they're stopping and starting every second, and that's the case, you've stopped in the stop, the area of the Carmelite, and then started again. That means you carried from a Rishut Yachid to a Carmelite, and from a Carmelite to a Rishut Rabim, which is only rabbinic in nature, is not a problem in a Torah. So Benazai, we understand his reasoning. El he nami de kasavrim halich lavko meidami, there are abundant who argue on Ben Azai, fine, they don't believe that walking is a movement of discrete points, but rather a continuum from point A to point B. Nevertheless, where else in Shabbat do we have a paradigm that we find that you are Chayav? Where you move from one location to another location where you'd be Chayav, but you pass in between into a Makom that you'd be Patur. So you've crossed over a Makom Patur in the meantime, not the terminology proper noun, Makom Patur, but a place that you wouldn't be Chayav in a Torah, do we find such a paradigm where you will be Chayav? Amr al-Safar, Amr al-Bam, Amr al-Yochanan, Medit Ahava, Amav Yerchefetz, Vershut Rabim. So what happens if you just move within the Rishut Rabim, Dalad Amot? We know that it's a sword to carry for Amot within the Rishut Rabim. So if you're carrying, Hatam Lafa, Vagav, Dekamad, Enokit, Lo, Ba'azul, Patur, if you walk, continue to walk in the Rishut Rabim, as long as you don't become stationary at any point, you're not Chayav. So even though you've carried for a moat, as long as you're still in motion, you're chayav. As soon as you stop or you place it down, you become chayav. So you've moved from a place where you're okeret, you took it out of the Rishud you walk, 
Everywhere in between now is considered patur for you because you're moving. And when you put it down, you become chayav. You've moved from chayav to patur to chayav. So the Gemara says, Hanachanami Loshna. Over here will be the same case. The Gemara says, wait a minute. Midomi, how can you compare the cases? Over there, we're just waiting for him to put it down. No matter where he puts it down, he's going to be chayav. The fact that he doesn't put it down at that specific location doesn't make it into a place that is patur. It just means that he is patur. The place itself is chayav. Had he stopped there, he would have been chayav. If he stops in the colonnade area, he would be patur. He'd be moving from a Yachid into a Carmelite, where he would not be chayav midoraita. So how can you compare the two cases? It's a case where he moves from the beginning of Foramot to the end of Foramot. So in that instance, if he stopped in the middle, he would be patur, because then he would not carry it for four amot. So that's an equivalent case. He's carrying it from a place where he's oker, reshut rabim, then he carries the first 3.99 amot, he's patur, hits the fourth amot, he's chayav. So if he put it down anywhere in the interim, he would have been patur, puts it down in the end, he's chayav. So that's a comparable case. If he stopped anywhere in the interim, in the first four amot, he'd be patur. And when he places it down at the end of four amot, he's chayav. So to in our case, where it says again, midomi. How do you compare the cases? Over there, it, this is a unique property of that space to this individual. For this individual, the first four amot, 3.99 are patur, the fourth one is chayav. But anybody else who carried to that location, it's considered Rishut Rabim. That location itself is a makom of Rishut Rabim, would be chayav if anybody stopped there, had they cleared the threshold of four amot. So that place will always function as Rishut Rabim. It happens to be that your unique circumstance, it's your first 3.99 amot. So therefore it's patur. But that doesn't make it into a place that is patur. It happens to be for you, it's patur. But for anybody else, it'll be considered shutabim and they'll be chayav. So how can you clear the cases? Over here, everybody who stops in the stav, no matter where or how they got there, would be patur, because it's a Carmelite. It's a normal case of coming out of the private domain to the public domain. When you move from private domain to public domain, you always have to pass what's called the sides of the public domain. And the sides of the public domain are not really public domain. That's because they don't function for the masses. They're areas which are difficult to maneuver through, and they do not have a status of Rishut Rabim. So for instance, the case that Rashi says, you have a chatzer, you have a courtyard, and one of the walls falls. The wall that separates between the chatzer and the Rishut Rabim falls down. So in that area, the makom chitza, the place of the wall itself, is Tzidei Rishut Rabim. It was crowded in the Rishut Rabim. People would push into that area, they would go there. But, on the other hand, it's not a place that's easily accessible. It's not a thoroughfare. It's not something where people would clearly walk through. So that location has the status of a Carmelite. Yet, if you carry from the Rishut HaYachid through to the Rishut HaRabim and pass over that area, you would be Chayav. Everybody agrees that you'd be Chayav in that case. So that's a case that is similar to what we're discussing over here. Someone who goes from the Chanut, the private domain, to the Rishut HaRabim, which is the Platya, and he passes through the Stav, in the interim. So same type of setup, and you are chayav. Had you stopped and placed the object down in the city of Shurbim, you would have been patur. But if you continue to carry it through to the Shurbim, you are chayav. Similar to our case over here. 
That works well going to Rabbanan. They say the sides of the Rishut Rabim do not have a status of Rishut Rabim. On the other hand, El Rabbi Eliezer, Ben Yaakov, here's so in the other Gemara, he doesn't have Ben Yaakov, so the Rabbi Eliezer, Demar, Tzidi Rishut Rabim, Kirshut Rabim Dami. He says that the sides of the Rishut Rabim have the same status as the Rishut Rabim. Ma'ika the Meimar, according to him, we don't have a paradigm of a case where you're going to be Chayav. Malay Ravacha, Breda Ravika, Imor, Deshmaitli, the Rabbi Eliezer, Damar, Tzidi Rishut Rabim, Kirshut Rabim Dami. When does Rabbi Lezer say that the sides of the Rishut Rabim have the same status as the Rishut Rabim? Heicha deleka chifufe, where there are no stakes, where there are no poles there. Aval heicha deleka chifufe, mishmaitle. If you have these stakes or poles there, then who says he thinks it's a Rishut Rabim? Hilkach lahadamia, therefore it is similar in the case. Now these chifufe you see today, they still use them today. For instance, when you want on a sidewalk, on the edge of the sidewalk, they put up all these cement blocks, or these metal poles, to prevent cars from being able to get up there or access it. The same was done over here. They're called chifufe because the chifuf means to rub up against. What it did was it protected. They used to put it up in front of the wall. What they didn't want was all the traffic in the Shutar Abim to rub up or bump up against the wall that was the wall of their chatzer. Because over time, that would cause the wall to fall down and damage the wall. So they placed these chifufe, these poles, these stakes in Shutar Abim, Again, you could think of many places. And they have them along the sidewalks to prevent cars from parking on the sidewalks. They have those uh, poles along. Right. A curb right, has a similar effect. But the idea being that it's to stop access or easy access for there to that they won't damage whatever's on the other side. So there, even Rabbi Lezer agrees that that's called Sidei Rishut Rabim. That does not have a status of Rishut Rabim. Because then you've diminished access and free thoroughfare there. So that, back to what you were asking, Svi, that's the difference. That this is exactly like the case of Stav. It's almost identical to the case of Stav. The Rabbanan are saying, even when you don't have that impediment there, there's still a Tzidei Rishut Rabim where not everybody goes and where it's not easily used. People walk, where they tend to walk in the middle of the road, where it's clear and the access is easy. They don't have to worry about changes in the walls and the sides. But that would be even without an impediment. Over here, Rabbi Lezer only thinks it's a Tzidei Rishon, but when it's an impediment there, and that's very similar to the case of Stav. So that would be the difference between what the Rabbanan were discussing before and what we're talking about here with the colonnades uh, next to the marketplace. But Tosos does ask your question. You see in Tosos, Why is that? Alright, so the Gemara says, Stav we don't know, but Tzidei Rishon we definitely know. But, but, right, it's the same thing. That's a normal setup. In the Midbar, the Mishkan, or in areas where you normally have a setup of a house, a house always has a side to it. This stav in the marketplace is an unusual or unique circumstance that is to the fronts of the stalls of these chaniyot. It's not the norm for the Rishut Rabim. It's unique to that specific location of the Rishut Rabim. But every Rishut Rabim has a Tzidei Rishut Rabim. It's impossible not to have a house or something that's adjacent to the Shutter Rabim that creates a Tzidei Rishutar Rabim. Tozman asks your question, but he just says that the setup is more the norm by Tzidei Rishutar Rabim than it is by Stav, and that's why the Gemara asked the question. All right, so now the Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Umoda ben Azai b'zorek. Even ben Azai agrees to the position of the Chachamim when you throw it. So Tanya Yochi, we have a break that supports it. Amotzi mi chanuta platya, you go from the storefront out into the public square, Derech stav through this area of the colonnades. Chayav. Echad amotzi ve'echad amachnis. Doesn't matter if you're exiting or entering, whether it's going from the shutei yachid to shutei rabim or shutei rabim to shutei yachid. 
V'echad is a rake, v'echad a moshit. Doesn't matter if you throw it, doesn't matter if you pass it. Ben Azai Omer, hamotzivach nis patur. That's what we saw in Ben Azai's position before. And if you are bringing in or out, there you're patur because he believes, l'halech domei dummy. You're walking as if you are making discrete movements throughout. But on the other hand, if it's a moshit v'azorek, it's he's passing it or he's throwing it, over there you are chayav. Because he's going to agree in that case that there's no discrete movements. It's a singular movement. He's not going to hold that Pluto Kamishahun Chodamya. Therefore, when you move it like that, moving it from one location to the other location without any stop in between. And since there's no stop in between, you're going to be Chayav because you've now moved it from the Rishut Yachid to the Rishut Rabbim. Right now, here we go. Here's a Tosefta, which gives you the background to whatever you wanted to know about Rishuyot. Again, this is the nature of the Gemara. It doesn't give you this information up front where this is where you'd want to start the Masechta to understand the background to information. But the Gemara always assumes you know this information because it assumes you know all the Mishnayot, you know the Bright of Tosefta. All the Tanaic works are given. Here's a Tosefta that the Gemara assumes that you know this information before you start, which is Dana Rabbanan Dalet Rishiyot to Shabbat. There are four domains when it comes to Shabbat. Rishut Yachid, Rishut Arabim, Vikarmelit, Umakom Patur. You have the private domain, public domain, Karmelit, which we'll explain in one second, and Makom Patur, a place that has none of this. It's always Patur. It's a place that never has really any status. It's a non-entity, and since it's a non-entity, it's always considered to be Patur. If you go into it or out from it, it's non-entity. The Yushalmi does not have that. The Yushalmi has four locations. The last one is not Makom Tur, but rather Vo'ochein Mufulashim, locations that are not thoroughfares, roads that are not thoroughfares, that are not open on both sides. Right? That's the way the Yushalmi has it. We have Makom Tur. Now, Karmelit. What is a Karmelit? So Yushalmi says that the word Karmelit comes from Kar Malay. It's the terminology that's really used by the Omer when it's describing the barley that is brought for the Minchat Omer, over there it has to be Karmalei, which is that it has to be rach, it has to be soft still, but somewhat hardened, and then they roast it. Tosafot actually quotes the Yushami. He says, Tani Rebchir, Karmal rach, Malay, which is lolach, lo yavesh. Meaning it's, not, it's somewhat moist, but not dried out. It's not completely moist, it's not completely dried out. It's somewhere between being completely moist and completely dried out. And that's the type of barley that is brought for the Omer, because then it's roasted to dry it out, and then they grind it in order to make it into the flour. That's the definition. Rashi back on Daf Gimel, I'm going to bet, Rashi quotes a puzzle from Ishaya. Quoting a puzzle from Ishaya, he says that it's Lashon Yaro Vicharmilo. Yaro Vicharmilo, which is an Ishaya Yud, Pasuk Yudchet, where the Nabi is describing that Hashem will bring a fire that will destroy Everything in its way. The mentions there is Yaro, which be his forest. Carmilo is the fruitful fields, fields that have produce in them. So Rashi says that's what the reference here to Carmel or Carmelite is, because it's Lo Hiluch Tamid Rabim, Lo Tashmish It's not a private domain because people pass through there, people go through there. It's also not a public thoroughfare because these fields are planted; they have things in them. That's what the definition of Carmelite is. But you can see what everybody is doing here. You have the Ushami, you have Rashi. They're all saying that Carmelit is not here and not there. It's not a Rishut Yechid, it's not a Rishut Rabim, because it doesn't act like a private domain in the sense that it belongs to an individual. It's somehow defined and blocks access to others. But on the other hand, it's not a Rishut Rabim because there's not easy access or easy thoroughfare through there.
And that's why it's called a Carmelite. Now the Rishuta Yachid and Rishuta Rabim are Rishuyot de Oraita. They are Torah domains. Carmelite is a rabbinic institution. Mina Torah, Carmelite does not exist. Carmelite doesn't exist at all. Mina Torah. And those areas have no status. Either no status, Mina Torah, or they have a status of Rishuta Yachid, depending on what the exact setup is. We'll see that later. But they'll be either be considered a private domain in a Torah or non-existent, non-entity in terms of their status as a domain. Rakom Tur is an area that has no status and therefore it can be used, passed back and forth through it because it's not really a domain. It's a location without the status of a domain. And that's what a Makom Tur is. What is a Rishuti Yachid? What is a private domain? Charitz, Shuamok Yud. You have some sort of depression. That is, tent fachim deep, rachav dalad, and it's four by four tfachim. So here you have a depression going down into the ground. So the mechitzot are created by the fact that it's depressed. So therefore you have an area that has mechitzot around it because of the fact that it's lower than that which is around it. You don't have that mechitzot that rise from the ground. Even if you're below the ground level, those also create mechitzot. It has to be a minimum of four by four tfachim in order to be classified as a shrut yachid. This is the first way to explain it. Or, the other option is, something that has a geder. It has a fence around it. Shehu gvo'ayud. That is, ten tfachim high. Rechav dalet. And has four tfachim, four by four tfachim, and the airspace in between it. Zohi reshuta yachid gemura. That is a complete reshuta yachid. And the Gemara will come back and ask, why is it, what's gemura mean over here? What it's saying is that if you have, here, for instance, this, not that the area enclosed inside of it is four tvachim, this mound is ten tvachim high, and it has a four tvachim space on top. That will also be classified as a shuti yachid. It doesn't have to be that you actually have physical walls around you. As long as there's some, the space is defined. There's a defining partition, which doesn't mean that the internal space has to be any different height. than the, It can be ten tvachim high, or it can be inside of the walls. Either way, that will be a shuti yachid. Both of those will qualify as a shuti yachid. So it could be either way, either a fenced-in area that is ten tefachim high fences with four tefachim area inside of it, or the four tefachim area could be at on top of the fence or on top of the area that's enclosed. Either way, that's classified as a rishut yachid because it's a separate entity. That's why in the shul also the area of the bima, the area of the bima is supposed to be a separate rishut. That's why it's usually they have something around it surrounding it that it's ten tefachim high and has a space of four tefachim before tefachim to make it a separate rishut which helps out in terms of the Torah being in there and the placement of the Torah, that why you may not have to stand when the Torah is in the Bima area is because it's in a separate Rishut. So that's part of the reason for that whole area of the Bima and why there's always a fence around it, not so that people don't fall off of it, but because so that the, it's actually classified as a separate Rishut, that Bima area. Basically, Rishut Rabim, what's the classification of Rishut Rabim? So the summary says, Sratya, Uplatya, Didola, we already had before a platya, which is the open square in the town. The sratya is the intercity roads. They go from place to place. Umivolt and fulashim. And thoroughfares within the city. So those are intra-city roads that are mefulashim. Rashi over here defines that as have to be rechavim yudvavama, which is something that we'll get to here mostly in Erevin. They have to be at least 16 amot wide. Or to classify as a rishut rabim, you have to be 16 amot wide. The other definition that's brought down by the Puskim, which is not so clear and is not so well defined, is the need for there to be 600,000 people that walk on that thoroughfare. That is something that is not explicit. It's mentioned in one place, kind of, and the Rishonim pick up on it. And you'll see that Rashi and Tosafot and Erevin all mention 
the issue of 600,000 people being there, but the definition really is this 16 amot wide and a thoroughfare, an active thoroughfare within the city. That's the basic definition of the Rishut Rabin. <coughs> so, so far we had the three locations. The Saratia is an in- intercity road. Platia is the open square, the area where the Shuk is. The Platia Gdola and the Mivotim Fulashim are the intra-city roads, thoroughfares. Zoe Rishut Rabin Gimura. Again, this is a complete Rishut Rabin. These are Torah domains. And therefore you can't move from Rishut Rabin to Rishut Rabin. And you can't bring things from the Rishut Rabim into the Rishut Yachid. If you do it unintentionally, you have to bring a Korban Chadat. You do it intentionally, you get punished with Karet. And if you have a Dim then you'll be stoned. So now here comes the other areas. Yam, the ocean. Because an open field... It might be your front yard, you asked before. What about your front yard that's not fenced in? Ve'is t'vanit. Rashi explains this. The area, it's equivalent to the stav that we said before. These are areas that are not rishut yachid, not rishut barabim. And there you cannot move around in it. On the other hand, if you do, you are patur. Patur here being the classic sense of patur in the Gemara Shabbat, which is patur of al asur. Patur mina Torah, but asur mid rabbanan. So this is one thing. A Carmelite on these areas, you're not allowed to carry dalit amot in these areas, similar to a rishut rabim. Just like in rishut rabim, you can't move for amot in these areas. You also can't move for amot. Vein motzimi tocha. You cannot bring from the Shudarim into this area and not from the area into the Shudarim. You can't go back and forth between them. If he does do that, then you are Patur. Again, here it's clear that the area has no definition. It is not the Rishut Yachid Minat Torah, not the Rishut Rabim Minat Torah. There will be areas that are called the Carmelites, Midirabanan, that really are Rishut Yachid, but the Rabbanan imposed on them not to be Rishut Yachid because they are similar in some way to a Rishut Rabim. As Rashi points out, in all of these cases, they are an Enam Domim Lidiglea Midbar. These are not similar to the Midbar or the Encampment in the midbar, the lovely yiducha the rabbi mavide. They are not thoroughfares. All these areas, the yam, the bika, the istavanit, are not thoroughfares, and therefore they're not like diglei midbar. But gazruba and rabbanan atu rishut rabim. Rabbanan in all these instances, these are really public areas. They are public domains, quote unquote, not halachic public domains, but areas that are accessible to the public and the public uses. And therefore the chachamim were gozer in that case atu rishut rabim that people shouldn't confuse. I allow you to start walking around and carrying in a bikah, you might start carrying your shuturabim. You'll say, what's the difference? Here is a public area. This is a public area. Why can't I carry in both areas? So Chachamim gave it a definition of a Carmelite in order to prevent people from making this mistake of confusing the areas. Chatserot shorabim. Omevaot she'enu mufulashim. As Rashi points out, Vach milta la michiluk dal This is not part of the Tosefta's definition of the four domains. This is like a sidebar. Over here. Until now, we've dealt with at least three of the four domains, and the Tosefta was defining for us what those domains are. Over here, there's like a sidebar. This is not telling you what the domains are, but it's telling you a locha that's relevant, which is, Chatserot Shorabim, Umivaot Sheinam Mifulashim. The Chatserot, which are courtyards that are public in nature, 
They're public in nature because multiple homes open up into them. These roads or streets that are dead-ended that have many, I'd say road, courtyards that open into them. Those are irvu, if they made an eriv. Now, an eriv here, again, this is all for eriv, and it's really not relevant to us right now, which is that if you somehow join together the ownership of those areas, in a courtyard it's called an eriv, and in a mavo it's called a shituf mivaot. If you somehow join the ownership to make it into a singular ownership, then it is mutar. You can carry around in there without any problem, whether it's from the houses into the courtyards, the courtyards into the dead end, or vice versa, that will be all be mutar. Lo'irvu, if they did not join the ownership somehow, asurim, then it would be asur. The reason it's asur, again, is because here, the Rabbanan saw an area that looks like a public domain. It's an area where multiple people have access to. The courtyard, many houses open up into the courtyard. So there's multiple people that can use the courtyard, and the person will think, I can carry from my house into the courtyard, why can't I carry from my house into the Shuter Abim? What's the difference between them? Same thing with the Mivu'ot, Sheinu Mufulashim. Chemayim wanted to prevent that mistake from happening. Now over here, Minat Torah, these areas are most likely Rishuyot Yachid. They are Rishuyot Yachid Minat Torah, and if you were to carry from the Shuter Abim into them, you would be Chayab Minat Torah. They're not considered to be areas that are Carmelites, which are only rabbinic in nature. They are Carmelites, quote-unquote, because the Chachamim wanted to prevent you from accessing them from the house because of the mistake that could have come. But they are not real Carmelites, which is they're not really an area that is not the Rishut Yachid and Rishut Rabbim. It really is a Rishut Yachid. The Chachamim just imposed on it additional restrictions so you won't make a mistake. And that's why Rashi says it's not part of the definitions of the Tosefta, because it's not, it's not defining a Carmelite. It's defining an area that has similar properties to a Carmelite, but it's not a Carmelite because it's really a Rishuta Yechid. So now, Adamo made Aliskopa. Person can be standing on a threshold. Notel mi balabait, venotenlo. Person who's standing on a threshold can take from the balabait. Balabait's in the house, he's in the Rishuta Yechid. And he can interact with the balabait by passing back and forth to the balabait. He can turn around and interact with the Ani who's out in the Rishuta Rabim. And he can pass back and forth. Because the Skopa, the threshold itself, is a Makom Patur. Makom Patur is an area that has no status. Since it has no status, a non-entity, you're allowed to move back and forth between this non-entity and Rishut Rabim and this non-entity and Rishut Yachid. Ubilvad, Shloitomi Balabait, Vinotein Liani. Miani, Vinotein the Balabait. As long as he doesn't become a way to move from the Ani to the Balabait to the Balabait to Ani, then he's moving from Rishut Yachid to Rishut Rabim, passing through a Makom Patur. Technically, it's totally fine. Fim Natal Vinatan, and that's what we see here. If he did do it, Shloshtan Paturim, Dol Patur. Because, Midoraita Minatorah, there's no problem here. Minatorah, the Balabait could pass it to the person on the threshold. He's Patur. He moved from a Rishut Yachid to a Makom Patur. Person on the threshold moved from a Makom Patur, passes out to the Ani, he's passing from Makom Tur to Shut Rabim. So there's no violation in the Torah. Midr the Rabbanan didn't want you to do this because that would be basically circumventing the halacha by moving from Shuti Yachid to Rabim through the threshold. What's going to happen? They're going to start doing it without the person on the threshold. The problem is that if we allow you to start do, moving or circumventing the halacha this way, you're going to end up just moving it. The threshold Alright, so the threshold in question has to be above three tfachim. And less than 4 by 4 So you want it to be a separate domain. So you have to have it above 3 tfachim, but less than 4 by 4 so it doesn't become a makom b'fneat small. If it becomes a makom b'fneat small, then it turns into a carmelite, and then you'd be problematic. Here we have the definition of makom tur. Now there's acherim omrim. There are others that say that what the area that we defined on the scopa is mishishimesh bet rishuyot. It's really two locations. Mizvancha petach patuach. When the door's open, kilifnim. It has a din like rishut yachid. Petach na'ol, when the door's closed, 
Kilachutz, it has a status like the Rishut Arabim. The Maita Iskopa Gavoa Yud Verachva Dalid. If the threshold is ten Tfachim high and four wide, Arizay Rishut Le Atzma, then it's its own Rishut. Tomorrow is going to ask that. It's obviously what it is. It's a Rishut Yachid. Why does the Brighton, why is it called a Rishut Atzma? That the Gemara has to come back and say. All it should have said was Rishut Yachid. Instead it says Rishut Atzma. That's why I was before when it talked about the wall. This sounds like the case of the wall, where you're ten tefachim high and four wide. That's that case. That's why before it sounded more like the wall was something enclosing an area that is ten tefachim high and four tefachim inside of it. Because here it defines what the other Rishonim over there were saying, which is that it's a wall that's ten tefachim high and has four wide. That's exactly this scope, that's this threshold over here. Right now, the Gemara continues. Amar Mar. Zohi Rishut Yachid. Tosefta said, this is a Rishut Yachid. Well, if this is a Rishut Yachid, what do they mean? This and not something else. What's that not something else? So Gemara says, Limute Mai, Limute Had Rabbi Yehuda. Comes to exclude the definition of Rishut Yachid according to Rabbi Yehuda. Titanio, we have a Breita, Yeter Al-Kain am Rabbi Yehuda. Obviously, Yeter Al-Kain means that Rabbi Yehuda is continuing. There's a longer statement. And Rabbi Yehuda continues in that Breita. Am Rabbi Yehuda, Mish Yeshlo Bet Batim, Bishnei Tzidei Rishut Rabim. Someone owns a house that's on two sides of the Rishut Rabim. His house on one side, the house on the other side, and there's a Rishutu Rabim that passes by. Then, Usel Lechimikan, Velechimikan, Ikora Mikan, Vikora Mikan. We will get to this again in Erevin. A Lechi or a Kora is a way to create a rabbinic wall. It's a rabbinic wall only to demarcate the area that is not considered to be Rishutu Rabim anymore, or to separate between the Rishutu Yachid and the Rishutu Rabim. A Lechi is a pole. It's just a, a small pole that is ten Fakim high. Can be any size, just has to be ten tefachim high. That's placed at the edge of the location where you would move between the rishut yachid to the rishut rabim. So again, in the case we have a cul-de-sac, the cul-de-sac that empties out into rishut rabim, you'd put the lechi at the end of that cul-de-sac, the open side towards the rishut rabim, between the rishut rabim and the entrance to the cul-de-sac. That's where you would put the lechi. A korah is simply a beam that goes across the top. It creates a equivalent of a tzurat petach, a door opening. Both of those are there to remind the person when he reaches that location that that's the end of the area that you're allowed to carry in. Right, that's the borderline. But the definition of those areas are that they are Rishut Yachid. Why are they Rishut Yachid? So according to the Chachamim, in the case, say, for instance, the cul-de-sac, there are three walls. Three walls, min Torah, that is Rishut Yachid. The fourth wall is not necessary. But the Rabbanon forced you to have a halachic fourth wall in order to be Rishut Yachid. Rabbi Yehuda does not believe that. Rabbi Yehuda believes that in a Torah you only need two walls to be a Rishut Yachid. So in this case, you own a house on either side of the Rishut Rabim. You have the two walls, one wall on each side. Having one wall on each side, you have now two walls. Two walls makes it into a Rishut Hayachid. The extent of the Rishut Hayachid is only as long as those two walls are there. So now what you have to do is put a Lechi on either end to define the thoroughfare, the passageway between the two houses that's classified as a Rishut Yachid, according to Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore, you put up two korot or two lechis, and now you have a Rishut Yachid, according to Rabbi Yehuda. Tosavot asks Shoal's question. Tosavot says, Min Torah, but this Rabbi Yehuda believes that two walls, 16 amot wide, you can walk right through there. Not a Rishut Rabim. Midra Banan, they imposed on him. Even Midra Banan, Rabbi Yehuda agrees that if it's 16 amot wide and it's a Rishut Rabim, we're not going to let you cross that type of Rishut Rabim. It's just two. It's too, it's too Rishut Rabim to be, allow you to do this. But Minat Torah, it is considered Rishut Yachid, according to Rabbi Yehuda. And you cross between the two houses. Walk back and forth, no problem, right through the Rishut Rabim, because technically it's a Rishut Yachid, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you have two Mechitzot. Amrulo, the Chachamim's response to him is, Eimer Arvin, Rishut Rabim, Bekach. 
You can't make an Eruv in Rishut Rabin. Rishut Rabin can never become a private domain. You can't block the Rishut Rabin. By definition, according to Chamim, you need three walls, and therefore it'll never be Rishut Rabin. When you have a thoroughfare like this, even putting up a Lechia Kohra does nothing for you. You cannot change the fact that you're walking through a Rishut Rabin over here. So that's what it comes to exclude. So So we said before that this is a Rishut Yachid Gemura. What does Gemura mean? That's to carry in there. We won't let you carry back and forth between the houses. To throw from one house across the Rishutarabim, they would agree to him. They don't agree. They think that this is a complete Rishutarabim. This is not even a quasi Rishutarabim. It's a complete Rishutarabim. The problem, as Tosafot points out here, makes it sense the other way around. So that's a Rishutarabim Gemurah. But something else is not a Rishut Yechid Gemurah. That would be what we were talking about here. This location is not a Rishut Yechid Gemurah. It's a quasi Rishut Yechid. And then you would come to the exact opposite conclusion of what the Gemara just said. So Rashi tries to come up with a definition where he says, Kamashman Gemurah, Komar, Nigmaru, Minyan He says, Gemurah means that which was defined in Tosefta. Those are Rishut Yechid Gemurah because they have all the requisite walls that you need. But if you don't have the requisite walls, that's not Gemurah. So Rashi is playing, but again, it's not the simple interpretation that you would have given to the word Gemara here. Rashi is trying his best to come to the same conclusion as the Gemara without leaving the definition of the word Gemara over here. So now the Gemara moves on. Amar Mar, Zoe Rishut Rabim, Lemute Mai. What does that come to exclude? Lemute Idach the Rabbi Another case of Rabbi Yudah. The Tanaim of Mish Rabbi Yudah, Mary Imhaitad, Derech Rishut Rabim, Mafsakatan, Yisalkena Litzadim. Again, this is something in Erevin where they had a problem that they had to deal with, which is, in the public domain, as part of the public works, they had borot, they had either cisterns, or mayanot, they had active springs, in the middle of the Shutarabim, where people could draw water that they needed. The problem is that any opening to a cistern, or a mayan, is four by four tvachim, ten tvachim deep, makes it into a Rishutayachid. means the water is in the Rishutayachid. If you're to draw the water from there and bring it out, you bring it from a Shudiyachid into a Shudarabim. So how do you make the water accessible to the people without having this problem of moving from Shudiyachid to Rishudarabim? The Chachamim came up with this concept called Pasei Biryot. Pasei Biryot are putting some sort of Mechitzot around the boar, outside the boar. Those Mechitzot, if they surround the boar, that area becomes a Rishudiyachid. And you can now draw from the boar out into that area because it's now classified as a Rishudiyachid. Okay, from there then. You can't. You can't take it out of there. You can only feed your animals in there. You can only drink in that area. You can't take it out of the area, but at least it gets you the water out to use in that place. If you have a Rishut Rabim that passes through those Mechitzot, it's an area that's 16 MOI that passes through those Biryot, those Pase Biryot. Over there, Rabbi Yehuda says, it ruins them. It ruins the Mechitzot, and therefore you'd have to move the Rishut Rabim. You have to force the Rishut Rabim around it. Otherwise, it will remain a Rishut Rabim and not a Rishut Yachid. On the other hand, the Chamim say, they don't need that. As long as you have mechitzot there, you can't be considered a shuter abim. Mechitzot ruin it from being a shuter abim. He says, if hold ve'ika sham dalad mechitzot, as long as there's dalad mechitzot there, you're no longer a shuter abim, and that's not a problem. Amai korle gemura. So again, the gemara says it says shuter abim gemura. What about the definition here? So here the gemara says I did tani reishi gemura tani nami sefik gemura. That's just for parallel structure within the tosefta, not because there's something to be learned from it. This was Tzvi's question before. What about a Midbar? Why is it a Midbar defined as a Rishut Rabim? You have a bright day. Is he Rishut Rabim? We don't have this. But what about Midbar? 
המבאי לא קשה, כאן בישראל שרויים שבמדבר, כאן בזמן הזה. Depends when B'nai Yisrael were in the Midbar versus nowadays. Nowadays the Midbar, only a few people cross through there. That's not a thoroughfare, that's not a public area. B'shut Rabim. When B'nai Yisrael were shrewim there, the Ketos Avot says, Mashma Ketzat. It seems from this, De'ena Rishut Rabim, Elohim Kei Mitzuim Shem Shishim Ribo. Unless there are 600,000 people there, Kamoba Midbar. Tosu doesn't make it as a definitive statement. He says it sounds like from this, that you need 600,000 people. You could argue against that, and that's why Tosu says maybe. You could just argue that when B'nai Yisrael in the Midbar, it's a thoroughfare. When B'nai Yisrael are not in the Midbar, it's not a thoroughfare. Forget about 600,000. It's just whether it's an active domain or not. When they're there, it is. When they're not there, then there are a few people there. But Tosa says, maybe from this you would suggest that it is 600,000. You see already Tosa's grappling with this definition of 600,000 for the Rishuta Rabim. There's God. Yushalmi, on the other hand, does not have this definition or this qualification for Midbar. Calls it a public domain without any qualification of the people. Shuim but Midbar, lo shuim but Midbar. It's public domain. That's it. All right, now the Gemara moves on and says, Zamar Chadat. If he accidentally goes in and out from that area, then he brings a korban chatat if it's bishogeg. If it's done intentionally, then he gets karet, and if he has a dimetra, he gets stoned. What's the question over here? We're talking about something that may zid, of karet, and so of course bishogeg is going to bring a chatat. What's the question? It's no, we need to put the mezid side of it. That's told in the Torah. But what, what's the question? We have the Makoshesh team in Midbar, so we know that you get stoned if you violate the Shabbat. We know other places the Torah says you get karait. What's the question here? This is like what Rab said. I found a, basically a Geniza. Within the house of Rabbi Chia, within Rabbi Chia's house, Rav spots this Megillat Starim. Megillat Starim was something that had Torah Shabbat written on it, and then it was put into Geniza. The reason it was put into Geniza is because in their day, it was a sword to write down Torah Shabbat If they heard some new Chiddush, they heard something new and they wanted to remember, they wrote it down temporarily until they memorized it. Once they memorized it, then they put that paper into Geniza. So he discovers this paper that was in the Geniza, and on it is written this information. Avot melachot mem chaserachat. The avot melachot on Shabbat, which we'll get to in the seventh parak, are 39 melachot. 40 minus 1, there are 39 melachot. Ve'enu chayav elachat. And it seems to me this, if you violated them, you'd only be chayav 1. Where it says, Yini, is that really true? We have a explicit mission on the seventh parak, it says, Vatanan, avot melachot mem chaserachat. There are 40 minus 1, avot melachot, 39 avot melachot. Vavinem ba'minyon elamali. Why does the Mishnah say 39? It goes ahead and enumerates them. You could count them yourself and know that they're 39. Why does it tell you they're 39? You did all of them in one forgetting. You're going to be chayyab 39 chatot. One for each av. So it tells you a lot of information. You're not chayyab for the tolotot separately from the av. You're only chayyab for the avot. How you exactly forgot about everything in Shabbat and still managed to violate Shabbat, that the Gemara deals with over there in the Mishnayot in Baal Godel. But over here you see that you are chayyab. Ella... Ema, this is how you have to read it. Enu chayav alachat mehen. Of the 39 melachot, one of them does not have a chiyuv. And what we're taught from this tosefta is hamahanach lo demisvakan. This is not one of those that we have a doubt about. Now as Tosefta points out over here, the Gemara is not talking about shogeg over here. The Gemara is not talking about a case of a chatat. Because the Gemara already says pshita by chatat. Moved on to mezid. And it said by mezid, yuchayev skila and karet. 
And then it brings in this whole statement of Isi ben Yehuda. So it also proves from here that Isi ben Yehuda is talking about skila. He agrees that if you did all 39 behel machat, that you would be chayav 39 chatot. He doesn't argue on it. He says he's not going to argue on an explicit Mishnah in Klal Gadol. He's arguing on the skila side of it. He's, now, originally the Gemara didn't say this in his words because what would it matter that you had 39 skilas? You can't die more than once. It wouldn't matter. But once we changed or amended the statement to say one of them is not, then you could be talking about skila. He's saying one of them is not chayav skila. One of them is not chayav for the mazid side of it, skila and karet. And that's what the Chiddush of Isi ben Yehuda is. Amar Now we go back to Carmelite from the Tosefta. Aval Yam, the ocean, or Bi'ah, the open fields, with the Vanit, the sides of the Shuk areas, the colonnade areas of Carmelite. Einan Lokir Shuti Yachib, Lokir Shuti Yachib. Mar says, Bi'ah, Einan Lokir Shuti Yachib, Lokir Shuti Yachib. Is that really true? Bi'ah does not have a definition as a Rishuti Yachib, Rishuti Yachib. Ba'atnan. We have a Mishnah in Tarot. Bi'ah, 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 A large area of fields, open fields. Bi'ah, In the summertime, Rishut Yachid Shabbat, Rishut Rabim Le Tum'ah. It's classified as Rishut Yachid for Shabbat and Rishut Rabim for Tum'ah. Rishut Rabim for Tum'ah is because we learn out Tum'ah from Sota. So you only consider it to be Rishut Yachid and Tum'ah when it's Nistar, when it's covered up, when it's not easily visible from the outside, it's not open or accessible. Over here it's clear, you have the fields that are empty. Now anything that's in there is easily visible or accessible. On the other hand, for Shabbat, it's classified as a Rishut Yachid because it's Lav Hiluch Rabimu. It's not a thoroughfare. People cut through the fields in the summertime because there's nothing there. But if you had a choice, most people are going to stay on the main roads. A couple people are going to take the shortcut through the fields during the summertime. So it's a Rishut Yachid for Shabbat, Rishut Yachid for Shabbat, In the rainy season, it's Rishut Yachid Lekach Ulekach. Because in the rainy season, the crops are there, there's stuff growing, so it's hidden. If something was in there, you wouldn't be able to see it. And number two is, people don't cut through the fields anymore, both because the crops are there as well as that it's muddy. It's raining, it's all muddy, nobody's going to cut through there. So it becomes a Rishut Yachid for both of them. But you see here, the Mishnah defined it either as a Rishut Yachid or a Rishut Rabim, never as a Carmelite. So Amarula, the Olam Carmelite, it's really a Carmelite, by my Karela Rishut Yachid, the fish ain't a Rishut Rabim. So it's calling it a Rishut Yachid as opposed to a Rishut Rabim, but not that it's really a Rishut Yachid, it's really a Carmelite. Ravashi Amar, Ravashi gives an alternative answer, it's gone. Ah, it has walls around it. And it's similar to what Raulam Rabbi Yochan says, Harpaf is an enclosure, an area of Termi Beit Satayim. It is more than a Beit Satayim. Beit Satayim is the area of the Mishkan in the Midbar, the area that was enclosed by the Mishkan. Shalohu Kaf Ladira, that has walls around it, but it was not given for living space. And there was no plan to build a house or there was no house in there. If you surround an area that has a house or residence in it, it doesn't matter how big it is. That's considered a mechitza, l'makom dira, it's not a problem. But if you enclose an area that does not have a residence inside of it, up to a Beit Satayim, it's considered to be a Rishut Yachid. Greater than a Beit Satayim, then it's not considered to be a Rishut Yachid, it comes a Carmelite. This is a Kapaf, you tell me Beit Satayim, shalukaf ladira, vafilu kur, vafilu kurayim, you don't have to a kur, kurayim, large areas. If you throw it into it there, it's a chayav. So why are you chayav? Because it's really a rishut yachid. It's enclosed. It has walls around it. It's a it is a rishut yachid. Ah, we just said before, if you have an area that's enclosed more than a beit satayim, it's not considered a rishut yachid. That's all midrabanan. That's midrabanan. It's considered a carmelite. But, mina Torah, it's really considered a rishut yachid. My taima. Mechitzo. It is mechitzo. It's mechuser. Do you It just doesn't have people living in there. It doesn't have residents in there. But it is classified as a rishut yachid. So that's what the mission is talking about. The mission is talking about this large area that is enclosed. That large area that's enclosed is considered to be a rishut ha yachid. 
On the other hand, when you're talking about the Carmelite, the Bika that's called a Carmelite, that's a Bika that doesn't have any Mechitzot around it. It's something that is just open. Parutz. Bishlom Ravashi Lomar Keula. Makes sense that Ravashi didn't hold a Gula because it's clear that the Mishnah calls it a Mishuddi Yachid. doesn't call it a Carmelite. Calls it a Rishuddi Yachid. And that's what he's doing. He's telling you this, it's a Rishuddi Yachid and you're Chayav. It's a Bik'ah that's surrounded by a wall. So that for it has a definition of a real Rishuddi Yachid. Just the Rabbanan goes there in those cases that it shouldn't be classified maybe as a Rishuddi Yachid. But in general, that's called a Rishuddi Yachid. But on the other hand, I don't understand Ula. Ula might have a time of Omar Kishmate. Ravashi quotes as a proof to what he's saying, Rabbi Yochanan Amar Ula. And Ula over here said something else. He says, Karpafi. Once it has mechitzot around it, it's no longer called a bika anymore. It's called a karpaf. It's called an enclosure. It's not called an open area of field. Ravashi, Rishutei Yachid, Ketani. It doesn't say karpaf or bika. It says Rishutei Yachid. And that is what's defined over here. Here we're defining it as a Rishutei Yachid. And therefore these areas that are mukaf, even though they're not the dira, they still have a classification of Rishutei Yachid. Midrabanan, you can't carry in it because it's just too big an area and it doesn't have definition like you would think of Rishut Yachid that has residence in it. But Rina Torah, it is a Rishut Yachid and that's why you would be Chayav if you threw in there. Therefore, according to Ravashi, the Mishnah Tarot is talking about this case of a Karpaf that is surrounded, greater than Beit Sa'atayim, doesn't have Duyurim in it, doesn't have residence inside of it, defined as a Rishut Yachid. And what's discussed in our Tosefta is a bika, and over there that bika is a carmelite because there's never a wall around it. The karpaf that has a wall around it, midoraita, is a rishuta yachid. Just midrabanon, it's not defined that way, but otherwise it has a status of rishuta yachid, and that's what's meant in the Mishnah and Tarot. On the other hand, Ula says that the Mishnah and Tarot is talking about a case of a carmelite. It's not a rishuta rabim, it's also not a rishuta yachid, but it's saying rishuta yachid as opposed to rishuta rabim, and that's the same as what's said by the bika in our Tosefta, which calls it a carmelite. Okay, we'll stop over here.